It's a part of the process when you're dealing with groups. Everybody's got their opinions. Everybody thinks their way is the right way. And it's all of those things. But I don't know and don't believe that our work is done. Mm. So you think there will be at some point a another new edition reunion? Uh, you know, if I'm a betting man and I do believe in God, uh, and I think that without a doubt that to have that, and I don't believe I'm the only one that feels that way, that our work is not done. I think things will at some point come together. It's hard to believe that today's guest on Jamel Hill is Unbothered has been in the game for 36 years. He's also a rarity because there aren't many artists who have been able to have both a definitive solo career and a definitive career as a member of a group. But R&B legend Johnny Gill was able to do both. He did his thing, of course, with New Edition and with LSG, Don't Sleep. And he also released eight solo albums, one of which dropped September 6th. Now, I'm about to get personal with Johnny Gill, despite never having met this man before today, because Johnny set the move for me tonight, and he don't even know it. But he's up next on Jamel Hill is Unbothered. So, Johnny, I know we literally just met five minutes ago, so I'm about to get real personal. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was quick. Yeah, that was, it was really fast. <laughs> I'm going to jump right into it. So, not, usually when I have um, a singer, rapper, entertainer, I kind of go back and just refresh about uh-huh. all the things that uh, that they've done. And so, I was going back, digging deep into those Johnny Gill crates. Oh and I God. realized, I was like, I know my favorite album of what it was. It's let, Let's Get the Mood Right. Oh, and let goodness. me tell you. Really? I was listening to that from top to bottom. I was like, damn, this album was making it. It came out when I was in when I was in college. And um, you know, my uh my fiance, I'm getting married in November. Oh, and he's been away on his bachelor trip for the last four or five days. So I've been listening to Let's Get the Mood Right like wow. all morning. Wow. So I can't even tell you what might happen to him when I see uh, him later on. Yeah, today. I was just getting ready to say, uh oh. So <laughs> I was just like, Johnny Gill set the move for me, and he didn't even know it. Make sure he got a couple of leads by the yeah, bed. He's holding up some water, by the way. Yeah. I hope you, I know you were on, out with the fellas, and y'all were doing your thing, but you better come back hydrated, because it, it might be going down tonight. Was that too much? I love it. <laughs> but yeah. I'm sure you hear that probably all the time from people. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, such a blessing. And I've been doing this, what, 36, 37 years, mm-hmm. and it has been... Uh, some of the stories that you hear, and you know, it's crazy because we, you know I travel all over the world, and but you don't realize until you actually go to different parts of the world how many people lives that you touch uh, and that is really truly affected by your music, and still to this day after being in it thirty over thirty six years, I, I'm still amazed when I hear people and they tell me these stories about what my song did to them, to their relationship. Uh, few people, I remember this one lady in particular that was telling me about, she was in the service and she was picking up and carrying the bodies. And she said the only thing she would do that kept her sane was she had the headphones on and all she did was listen to me morning, noon, and night. And it got her through that, that the desert storm. I was just like, wow. Wow, that is, um, that's extremely touching. And the thing is, you've been making this music 
um, you know, now for decades. I'm just wondering, because you've made so many, not just good love songs, you've made timeless love songs that they could they play still today. So where does this sort of source of inspiration? Are you like a romantic at heart? Or I'm a lover. Does... <laughs> I don't have no girlfriend, yo, but I'm a lover. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Johnny Gill out here single. Yeah, I'm going to make America great again. I got them all over the place. Oh, in different <laughs> area codes. Joking. In area It's okay. I mean... <laughs> no, I've been in relationships and in and out. And, you know, and at this point, it's just... I'm a true believer going into when you come out of relationships. I'm not one that walked right back into a relationship. I, I take that time, that that, that space that, that is needed uh, to heal properly. And then I always go back. I, every relationship that I've been in, uh, I always I try to figure out in each one, what did they all have in common? Like what were th- what was the things that were the, you know, the problems that I have to look at and reflect on about me, not them. I don't, when I'm telling the story about the relationships ending, you're never watching me sitting pointing fingers and talking about what they did and didn't do. It's about what hand I had. It. And that, that I believe that's what has helped me uh, to, to move forward, and, but also be happy and comfortable with and knowing that when I get ready to make that move in, into another relationship that I'm looking at the things that I can work on that I can do better, that I can change. So, so any common threads you found in, in uh, some of your Previous relationships when you when you've done the autopsy. My time. <laughs> it's my time. time. Okay. Uh, uh, you know when you do what we do, I love what I do, and I'm committed to what I do, and I understand that still, you know, it's a lot. It's a lot of work dealing with relationships and in the game that we're in, because you go out and you're constantly on a schedule, nonstop working. Uh, you come home when you're in a relationship. That's work too. So you don't come home and go, okay, it's, I'm done. I can relax. That means now I got to nurture this relationship. I got to figure out what we're gonna have to do to spend time and things that you have to do to make sure that that you know you're nurturing that the relationship. So it's 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 work, and it's not something that I don't mind doing. It's just understanding that at some point, you know, trying to find that balance sometimes can be uh, pretty tough. But I know ultimately. Taking care of the family, taking care of the, you know everybody from the friends to family to you know your loved ones. It is it's a it's a lot of work and it's a lot of money and it costs to be the boss. You have to go out there and go to work. So or we'll all be sitting around here with our hands looking like cups. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what uh, I can imagine uh, what dating was like for you twenty years ago and certainly during the height of New Edition. So what's dating for Johnny Gill like oh, in twenty nineteen? Really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I love America. <laughs> <laughs> but see, you international, no. though. Yeah, you know. No, the, the thing is, I, I tell everybody, I'm just enjoying my life. I'm enjoying, you know, people talk about being married and all those things. And I think it's it's not for everybody. I think it just depends on uh, your circumstances and the, the individual. But um I want to get married absolutely at some point. But and you've never been? Never been. Okay. I've been in the 12-year, I did six years, I did a seven-year, uh, living together. So I've you're done a serial everything, monogamous but, out here uh, hey, <laughs> at I times. I've done, done everything but signing that in pencil. Oh, okay. All right. Are, <laughs> but, you, are you afraid to, to get married? You know, I'm wondering because I've been engaged uh, yeah, three times. Dang never made it. But I guess they said the third time was supposed to be the charm, right? But the great thing about it all is every single woman that I've dated, my exes, that I mean, the serious relationships that I've had, um, I'm connected and we're all still cool and talk and communicate. And I mean, in the sense where I never thought I'd be sitting here giving 
someone advice about <laughs> their relationships, but um, I have found that it's important that one thing that I've always done was, and I believe still in relationships, is being honest. Being honest don't mean say what you want to say and where you want to say it and how you want to say it. It means that you still have to be able to be truthful, but you have to be respectful. And I was I was with a good friend of mine's uh, in Vegas a couple of weeks ago, and we were sitting down talking about how long we've been friends and uh, and all of my friends that I have. And I said the one thing that I've done for since I can recall 14, 15 years of age is I'm always cognizant of never get too comfortable. I don't care if it's my brothers, my mom, my friends. Even if I agree to disagree, I'm going to be respectful. But I'm going to tell you know we'll talk about those issues. But I'm always cognizant of how I'm going at you to tell you about what I agree or disagree. Uh, and um, and I think that it is it makes a difference with how to keep a level of respect, even with even especially in new relationships. I had a few that were a little fiery in the beginning. And as you begin to kind of get them in a place to recognize learning and understand what communication and communicating means, uh, when people start to argue, I've told, like I've told many of them, when people start arguing, that means they only argue and they're getting loud because they feel like they're not being heard. So at some point, you got to understand that it just it's a simple little thing, too, to start saying, I hear what you're saying, I understand what you're saying, and then get to your point. But when a person doesn't feel like they're being heard, it's like it starts going to this place and it starts rising. And I remember teaching one of my exes, I remember having this conversation nonstop where she used to come in and everything was like, ah. And I said, take a deep breath. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. Here's the thing. If someone says, says that they love you, you don't wake up trying to figure out what can I do to hurt you today? But we all have and come with flaws. And then we all recognize that at some point we can do things or say things that, might, that we're not aware of or that might hurt somebody's feelings. And we, are, we have to understand that and be cognizant of that and aware. But it's just, it's a lot of work. Relationships are a lot of work. And, and I'm not against it. I'm just living my life. And I realize that at the end of the day, I'm not going to go searching for it. Every relationship I've been in, it wasn't because I went searching for it. It just happened. Right. So I said, I'm going to live life, enjoy life until Someone else get their uh, <laughs> get their uh, their you know their hooks at me. So. But see, I feel like it, it, you have a cheat code because you're a singer, right? And so I feel like <laughs> if any woman was pissed off at you, you would just break out into verse, and then what's she gonna do then, right? Like I feel like you've used that trick before. You know, I've only used my gift maybe once, and okay. I remember. So you haven't used a very it for well evil. known girl <laughs> uh, that I dated years ago, and I'll never forget. Dawn, it was, uh, I was just coming back from the Soul Train Awards, and I kept saying, I was like, listen, something has got to break or give tonight, something. And I knew she was uh, gonna, we were going to get together afterwards, and instead of going to the parties afterwards, we went back to my place. And so what I, what I did, I had the champagne on ice, and I had it sitting right by the piano. And I remember sitting there when we came back and sitting down and just sitting at the piano and was singing, and she was... I mean, you know, things just evolved, and it was just, it turned into, I was like, damn, maybe I need to try this more often. Damn, man. <laughs> I have a weapon that I haven't <laughs> used very much. See, you got a superpower <laughs> that you have had this whole time that you could I be using. I didn't realize until right? I was like, so what did you, this works. What did you sing? <laughs> I did, uh, so My Mama My was one of the songs. Of course And Lady Du Jour <laughs> was another one. And I'm just sitting at the piano just playing, and, 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 and My Mama hasn't wasn't released as a single at that point just yet so uh she I, I couldn't believe it i was just like man i got a weapon that's how that you should have known you had a hit yeah well yeah it, that's what i didn't know I had a hit. <laughs> <laughs> 
See, you know, you know what, Doctor Gill. <laughs> we were rolling around on the floor, but it wasn't in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Oh, that is hilarious. Um, but I, I, I've always wanted to ask great singers like yourself this: is that when you are setting the mood, like, what do you listen to? Uh, everything. Everything. Uh, from okay. Stevie Wonder to, um, it's just. I'm a musician, and so I love listening to just different music, even rap, all that stuff. Um, that's the, st- the thing. Those things, uh, just little things inspire me. And so it, whether it's just a track, whether it's something from a, lyric, from a song, the lyrics, or a melody, I'm, I'm just I'm inspired by just different things. So I've, you know, it's so funny. I, as you get older, I keep hearing, uh, you know, all my friends going, I don't understand what they're saying, what this music is today. And it sounds like, and I'm like, yeah, they just speak a different language. And I get it, understood. You know, but music is still a form of art. And I understand that what someone else might like, uh, and if that painting works for you, it doesn't mean I have to necessarily have to work for me. But I always try to look to see and figure out what it is that they're connecting with. What is it? What is it that uh, that they're in? The, you know, they're really enjoying about it. And uh, and it really does. It, it reminds me to not get to a place where I become. I understand who I am. I know what I do. And uh, no matter what type of music that I'm inspired by, uh, even the new album, it's got songs going all over the place from Carlos Santana and Sheila E to, um, uh, you know, we have um, myself with Ralph, obviously. And I mean, it's just, but the, the music goes in just, just different directions, but never compromising the essence of who I am. But at the end of the day, still being able to express myself as an artist to allow myself to continue to grow and just enjoy what I'm doing. Well, I, I think part of, what has been your staple for these 36 years that you've been in entertainment is a level of consist a consistency. Like when people listen to Johnny Gill, you know what yeah. to expect. Um, and you do, you mentioned the new album game changer too. So that's a bold decision considering the first one was yeah. such a huge success. Yeah. I think it was what six, yeah. number one, six, 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 number six, one hits. And, uh, right. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Um, with that being such a huge success, what made you decide to follow up what was already um, kind of a big deal. I've always thought, looking at great movies, when you have a, a hit movie, they normally have, what, a sequel. <laughs> and I just thought, okay, this album was 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 uh, successful, and uh, we did, the album ran for four years. And I just thought, okay, well, to to um, come back with a, a sequel, I think it, it challenged me to have to come back and figure out how do we outdo this album. <laughs> And um, right now we're off to a great start because on the last album we didn't come out with. Looks like we're getting ready, heading towards our second number one, back to back number one. So um, some kind of way we figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about that uh, single you have with Ralph Tresvant, "Perfect." Perfect, right? Yes, Which yes. I can tell you, women, if you are having a down day, really, even if you're having a good day, but it's just such a feel good song for women who often need the message reinforced yeah. that. We don't have to do as much as we think we do. Or we yeah. don't have to be as critical of ourselves Absolutely. as we tend to be. And this is a song that reminds us that we are perfect yeah. just the way uh, that we are. What uh, what made you decide to do this type of song, particularly with Ralph? It was just a song that I felt when I listened to it, there was a the message that was just so powerful. When you look at social media and you see the Instagrams and all of these beautiful models and you know, people don't realize a lot of women are pressured, feel the pressure of having to do some of the things that, you know, you see these so-called Instagram models. 
uh, do. And I think that it, it's kind of gotten to a place where I feel that women need to be reminded that everyone is not you know, going to be a, a Instagram model. It's like, but embrace your imperfection, embrace and love who you are. And at the end of the day, understand that that's what really makes you perfect is understanding your imperfections and being able to embrace, embrace those things. Um, I think that it's like, if it means that you can't be, or feel um, um, the value of who you are uh, only just based on just your looks you know, there's it gets deeper than that. There's a there's some deeply other deeply rooted issues that, that might need to be addressed. You know, because we are who we are, and we have to learn to accept that and embrace that. And I mean, there's nothing wrong with taking a car and putting new tires on if you want to, new rims if you want to. You know, but it doesn't still make the car what it is, whatever that car is. And as a as a human being, as a woman, and I say I don't care who you are. Um, you know, you, it doesn't, it, all those other things, getting your hair done and your nails and all those things, that's great. I mean, if that makes you feel good, but at the end of the day, that shouldn't define totally who you are. Mm. Now, what made you decide to do this song with Ralph in particular? As in Ralph Transmont, for those who don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it was a song that I just thought uh, that, you know, Ralph, it's been a while since uh, he's recorded and I'm, you know, I'm getting ready to we're working on his album as well. That's uh, his project that's coming out on Jay Skills Records as well. So I just thought this was a great way to also, you know, to to you know bring him back out and and to be a part of uh, this song. I thought was a powerful message, and Ralph's audience is pretty much the same as mine. So it's you know, so it's like we just thought it was just a great uh, great collab. So so of course that would naturally lead to the question of when can we expect that Johnny Gill Ralph Tresvant collab album <laughs> Someone was, I mean I've heard quite a few fans have asked me about that and uh, um, you know the thing that I I, I I look I was talking to Ralph about and that I find it is important for him at this stage of his life everyone went out and did solo stuff except I mean, and Ralph did too and he did fairly well but he never uh, continued to to really um, uh, nurture his he just kind of just went after everybody released theirs and he kind of just been that guy that would go the lead singer, new edition. He goes home, relaxed, he chills, and you know, and and he did have the desire. He was one of the first that wanted to leave, wanted to do something with uh, uh, as a solo artist. But uh, he was so pressured to not be able to do to not do that because the group, where at that time was trying to figure out if you go out, he play, does some solo stuff and becomes successful, then what happens to us? And it was never that, and that was never his intention. It's, it's, he wanted to express himself as an artist and be able to uh, do the kind of music and some things that he wanted to do that. Obviously, when you're in a group, you have to sit and converse with everyone to figure out what songs we're going to use, which songs work, which songs don't, and who's going to be on it and all that stuff. So how are we going to all be a part of it? So I just told him, I said, you know, you'll never be able to get back what you didn't uh, yesterday. And I think that you should have really tried to, you know, worked on nurturing your career like everyone else did. But at the end of the day, this is where you are today and you still have something to say. You still have... Uh, a message that you want to get out and want to, you know, continue to do what you do, you know, as far as with your music, the world to hear it. So let's go. We just let's let's just embrace who we are and where we are. And I'm here. Let's go. It sounds like Ralph kind of feels like he was lost in the shuffle a little bit. Of all Absolutely. The, okay. Absolutely. He sacrificed sacrificed a lot, and it's so crazy to watch some of the things that have taken place. I mean, you know, when you're dealing with groups, there's a bunch of 
different dynamics. There's a lot of inter- internal issues. There's, it's not a secret dealing with our group. And that's been that way since I can recall. I know even before I got there, it was <laughs> madness. But, yeah. you know, somehow, uh, somehow or another, we've been able to do what we've done thus far. And that's not by coincidence. It's just it's a part of the process when you're dealing with groups. Everybody's got their opinions. Everybody thinks the way their way is the right way. And it's all of those things. But some kind of way we've always worked through it. And, you know, you just have to continue to keep just doing what you do and stand to the grind. I've been, I think that uh, I don't know and don't believe that our work is done. Mm. So you think there will be at some point a another new edition reunion? Uh, you know, if I'm a betting man and I do believe in God, uh, and I think that without a doubt that to have that, and I don't believe I'm the only one that feels that way, that our work is not done. I think things will at some point come together. Yeah, because the thing that's so interesting about you all um, is that a lot of the drama that was going on with New Edition, it was such a different media age then. And so you would not hear about these incidents oh, at yeah. all. Yeah, you yeah. know, and it, it was uh, interesting for me as a longtime fan watching, of course, the miniseries on BET. And I was like, wait, y'all got into a beef with God? Like, I just, like, oh, all this other stuff. Like, I didn't even remember that. I was like, that happened? Yeah. So you're seeing, yeah. like, all these things that were going on behind the scene. And if you guys were out there now, I can only imagine yes. how much more that uh, we would know. But of course, um, you know, in present day, I mean, it's been, it seems to have been another like sort of split within the group because now you have Ronnie, Bobby, Ricky, and Mike, uh-huh. RBRM. Uh-huh. Which I was like, okay, y'all got y'all doing a lot. Okay, <laughs> we already got BBD, <laughs> we got new edition. Now this this whole new thing going. Like, wh- well, think about it. We have myself, Ralph, and Bobby doing heads of state at one point. Yeah, and so that's right. you know, it's like it's just it's all <laughs> why, over the why place. Why y'all but, do that? Like, because <laughs> everybody go, oh, it's the Republican versus the Democrats, and and so we just go like this, just keep button heads, and so you know. Of course, me and Ralph are the Democrats, so we would be on the other side. Oh, oh see, I ain't gonna put them Well, how would you how would you sort of describe? Because I know the the whole trademark thing, and you responded yeah. to that on Instagram. Yeah. Like, how where would you or how would you describe where the group is now in terms of is this is it conflict? Are y'all cool? Are y'all not cool? Like, what's going on? No, I mean, there's always conflict, and, and, and we still talking. Everybody's still communicating at some point. So, I, I, you know, but at the end of the day, here's my thing. I'm the oldest in the group, and uh, a lot of things that you guys even got a chance to see in the mu- in, in, in the movie, uh, they just scratch the surface. It's It gets deeper. Uh, those were just the things that we could expose, but it's a lot deeper. But the nature of this group, if you look at the story, uh, it's no secret Scoop has always gotten screwed. At some point, you have to recognize and understand that if you keep getting screwed, you got to remember, who are you blaming? Why? At some point, you have to take a step back and take a look and reflect and see exactly what am I doing or not doing that is costing us to continue to keep being in the same situation over and over again. And my thing is, you know, we all, I think, have been in this game and in this business long enough to understand the business. Uh, the thing that we found and that we thought was, I thought it was important because the group never owned their name. They've never owned their name. Uh, it was out there for 25 years. And I, we just discovered we discovered that during the time that we was doing, getting ready to do the, uh, uh, getting the name for the heads of state. And so at that time, of course, we were at the time in the middle of barking at each other at that point. Uh, and I told, uh, to, uh, when Ralph talked about it and I said, well, what we'll do, let's do this. 
get the have them to snatch the name before somebody else gets it. And then what we'll do, let's get everybody to sign an agreement amongst ourselves so that no one individual could ever use the name. There would always be all of us collectively. It's not even a boat. It's everybody collectively. <clears throat> well, they thought that was the worst thing on the planet to do. And it was like, well, so let's see. So if we don't put ourselves and protect the integrity of this group, what you'll find is you're going to have several different groups out there like you see on some of the other groups. And I'm like, to protect the integrity of this group, we should all sign an agreement and then everybody's name's going in there. We all have made a, uh, been a part of this group and have uh, have uh, you know made major contributions to to this group, and that's the reason why this group is where it is today. Um, but it is trying to help this group to get out of their own way uh, has been it's sometimes the toughest thing. But I believe at, at the end of the day that it's going to still work itself out because at the end of the day, everyone is sitting down and having talks and communications. And it's like, it's really simple. It's just about everybody being on the same page and saying, yes, we agree that no one individual, that will always be us all collectively. <laughs> so it's not even a vote. <laughs> and it turned into all this chaos that we're still scratching our heads and they're going, what did I just miss? <laughs> what happened? <laughs> Well, because I came in last, it means, well, you shouldn't have the rights to tell us or put us in the, or say we this is what we have to do. And I'm sitting there going, well, I was born first or last. We all got to some, there's got to be a beginning and an ending at somewhere. But it still comes down to us protecting uh, the future of our kids, our families, uh, and us for, for, you know, that we have to protect ourselves and stop looking or putting ourselves in positions that are not going to allow us to continue to grow. This group still complains to this day about the things that we never got an opportunity to do and the things, that, the respect, the lack of respect that we've gotten uh, in the business world of things. Because I've said before, we got to take care of business. <laughs> and if you don't take care of business, you can't expect somebody to just come and volunteer to, to, to do business for you. <laughs> so it's just one of those things. It's just internal stuff that we have, but it's part of, you know, I've known a number of groups that go through these different type of uh uh, issues, but the reality is just ultimately we're all on the same page, want the same thing. Uh, it's just as the big brother, I'm going, let me protect us. <laughs> well, it seems like, um, even though you were the, the last member added, that you to some degree, for the most part, were kind of like Switzerland within the group in the sense that you know, I think people wanted there to be some beef between you and Ralph, it never was. Um, they wanted some beef to be between you and Bobby. Yeah. There was no beef there. And so as these conflicts arise, how did you as somebody who joined the group later on navigate those relationships? Well, I've always felt like, you know, you've been in rooms where people, you can feel the energy of people. Uh, I've often said, if you don't give a flower water, it can't grow. When I see and feel and you're around people that have this energy, uh, I'm always cognizant of that but i maintain being johnny maintain being myself being respectful to others i can care less what you think about me only thing i ask out of you is to respect me but and i'm going to do the same uh and what i've learned uh over the, the period of being in that group coming in this group was to really recognize that every individual the things that they've gone through their lifestyle the way they come from is completely different from mine it's make me no better than them or no less than uh, we all have just been through something <laughs> And it was just important that the, the fact that Ralph and I really started to uh, to bond was simply because Ralph was talking to me a lot of times about the things that he wanted to do, the things he he saw, uh, he envisioned seeing himself doing uh, musically. That's all. Ralph loves music. And, you know, it was 
uh, we just started uh, really bonding over those things and talking and started seeing that we had a lot of things in common. Yeah, they were threatened, threatened by the fact of me as a vocalist and, you know, what that was bringing to the table for some. Uh, but hell, I was threatened too about watching them the way they was dancing. I was like, hell, I got two left feet. I'm gonna get ready to do this. So that wasn't your, that wasn't <laughs> your thing. That I was, was like, <laughs> how about I sit down and sing while y'all dance? <laughs> well, you could have fooled us. That's for sure. <laughs> you could have fooled us. No, with the great work of Brooke Payne, he I call him the miracle worker because I dancing was not my forte. And how we did it, I remember the first day we went to try to do the, the, the when they were talking to me about doing some choreography, and Brooke said, "Let's see, can you just get the cross step?" And Brooke looked as we was doing the cross step, and all you could see is his head like this. Ay, ay, ay. And yet, I I vividly remember and rub you the right way that you wasn't holding him back with the you wasn't holding him back with the shiny suit. And oh the, yeah. The, 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 oh, at that point, I got my groove. Found my point. groove. Okay, I, was like, I was like, yeah, I don't yeah, yeah. you being uh, for that. Suck it, suck it now, y'all. Can, then, at that point, I was like, okay, I can I can get it done. <laughs> I had a, a, a full tour under my belt of every night dancing, doing that, and got comfortable with the choreography. So it was just like, okay. Yeah, we can make it work. <laughs> well, were you ever, as you just said a minute ago, your style was so much different than what New Edition was known for when you joined. Yeah. Initially, yeah. did you have concerns that you wouldn't blend in? With... Oh, absolutely. Okay. I talked to a lot of friends before I even decided to do this because I, had, first of all, I was shocked when they asked me about doing it because I didn't know the group was having issues. Um, all I knew is that they wanted to go back to a fifth member, five member group, and they was just saying, "Well, you know, the choreographer choreography looks a lot, you know, more sharper when you got five guys." And that's all I knew. So I didn't know all the internal stuff was going on until I got there. And we got they left, they started recording, and came back to Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, and that's when all hell broke loose. I was sitting there going, "Huh? What happened? <laughs> what am I? Okay, <laughs> it was crazy." <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, I it. The, the same way that I bought something to the group, I've often said this, that we've all bought something to the group because I don't know if I would be who I am today if it wasn't for having that opportunity. They were a group, a boy band that was already at the top. I was still, we started at the same time, but they came out of the box smoking. And so being on the stage and having an opportunity to be on that stage to display my talent was truly a blessing. Could it have happened any other way? I'm sure it could have, but... This was just the way I think God saw for it, saw fit for this to happen, and it's you know I feel like uh, we all came and brought something to the table that allowed us to help us all because um, that was our biggest record when I came aboard. So uh, it's no addition, and uh, you know it's been a blessing. It's been a blessing. Yeah, I just remember being shocked as a kid and uh, burgeoning teenager, like, oh, my God, New Edition is, like, grown now. I don't even know how that happened. It was like, <laughs> uh, they went from, like, Candy Girl to, like, it was a young girl heartbreak. And I was like, yeah, what happened yeah, in between? Yeah, um, yeah. But it was it was still, like, I mean, it's one of the my favorite albums of all time. Wow. Uh, no question. I think there's a lot of, at least I'll say this, the day one New Edition fans have respected you guys from the beginning. Yeah, but um, yeah. there's so much more I want to ask you. We're going to take a quick break. Because I want to ask you about another group that at least I was a grown person <laughs> when this group formed uh, LSG, of course. I don't know them. <laughs> you know them a little <laughs> bit. But we'll talk about LSG <laughs> and, of course, more about your solo career. More from Johnny Gill when we come back. Of course, uh, everybody knows, Johnny, about how you came to New Edition. Um, 
I don't, I'm sure you've told this story, but I don't think I've ever heard it. But how did you wind up forming the group um, with Gerald Levert and, of course, uh, Keith Sweat, LSG? That was Keith's fault. <laughs> <laughs> Keith wanted to be in a group, and he told Gerald, and Gerald was like, okay, you really want to be in a group? And uh, Gerald was like, hey, man, let's put this thing together. Sylvia Rome did not want Keith, because Keith, I think, had come off like a four or five million seller uh and she was and like he wanted why? to be in a group yeah she was like why are you why are you doing this like why and he was like yeah babe, i'm doing this because that's what i want to do you know what i'm saying and <laughs> i told her ain't no impression. way she's gonna be able to tell me how this i want to do it <laughs> so, <laughs> so we ended up uh so it was originally supposed to be myself keith gerald and r kelly and, oh, are and, you serious? Yeah, yeah, and he and he he fell out of it, and so it was just the three of us. We went forward without without him, and uh, I remember uh, watching Gerald and Keith. It was the funniest thing you'll ever see in your life. They used to be f- just going at it, fighting, screaming, and yelling at each other like cats and dogs, and then. <laughs> All of a sudden, you just you can hear Gerald all the way down the hall screaming, "You said you wanted to be in a group, huh? But you got to be a group member. You got to act like a group." Yeah, baby, why you be talking to me like that? I'm a grown man. <laughs> See, man, you this is bull, man. See, you this is what we in here rehearsing. You got to step like we got to step. Yeah, baby, I'm be done all that stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> they used to be going, and I had a front row seat to watch them. And five minutes later, ten minutes later. We all having shots, getting ready to go to go to work, <laughs> and it would go. They would do that so much on the regular, but I used to. Enjoy, I would just be in it, going, "Your turn, your turn, your turn." But <laughs> <laughs> well, see, Keith Sweat was never known for being a dancer. He had yeah, like so cool. two moves. Yeah, like, yeah. We, we've all seen it. Right? <laughs> I figured if I had to do it, shoot, he can do it. He can figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So R. Kelly. So how? Or how initially did R. Kelly kind of get attached? Uh, I think Kelly was even attached before. I was the last one before. uh, It was, you know, when they was trying to form everything, put it together. I think that was really Gerald's, was really at the helm of that. And, um, and, you know, him and Keith. And so they just said, hey, let's just get the the four of us. That would be really powerful. Now, at that point, I think, I mean, I'm trying to think timeline-wise, but he had... He had already started to become a solo success, right? Oh, Keith? Uh, no, uh, 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 R. Kelly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he yeah. It was been, a bit, so yeah, I'm yeah. just like, why would he want to join the group, yeah. too? Yeah, at first he said he wanted to do it. So hmm. and something happened, and he changed his mind. But the, just the three of us went forth, went forward, and we did it. So yeah. uh, Now, obviously, uh, you know, Gerald no longer with us, unfortunately. What will you most kind of remember about him? God, let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that I've lost in my life, and... Uh, Gerald's losing Gerald probably still to this day it's just it's probably one of the toughest losses that I think I've had to deal with that I'm still I, I still can't I got my feet up under me but I really don't <laughs> um, that was my road dog and um, and to imagine him not being here I would have man it's hard to even fathom that that he wouldn't be here today uh, but yet, I can listen to his music now. Probably it's been about maybe about four or five, six years that I was able to go beyond that point of when I was just hearing his music. I had to I would turn it off. Like I couldn't. It took me took me a while just to get to that point. But uh, Gerald, that was just my road dog. He reminds me so much of myself. Just trying to save the world. That's my mo. I don't. I 
I, I'm guilty of trying to figure out how to fix, how to help, how to save everybody. <laughs> and uh, sometimes you give too much of yourself. And Pop Levert always said, he's, you know, he goes, he tells me to this day, he goes, John, man, listen, man, you, listen, man, you, 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 you got to save some for yourself, man. You can't give it all to them, man. You got to save some for yourself. But it's just who I am. I'm just trying to figure out how, and Gerald was the same way. Mm. Uh, is some of that because of your upbringing? Because I know your dad was a minister. Yeah. 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 So is that maybe where that some of that comes from? I think that's where it comes from. I believe absolutely that's where it comes from. Just my dad used to do so much for people and for the congregation and uh, the people that were having issues. And I watched that as a kid growing up and little did I know I was like a little sponge. Just didn't realize I was taking it all in. Um, but it has just always been that way of just trying to figure out what you can do to help and how you can help. Uh, and it honestly, it makes makes me feel good. Like it's not something that I do simply because I want anything back in return. It's just a part of my nature of who I am. So so was uh when you started becoming interested in music, uh was your what did your dad think about you pursuing this kind of career? My dad did something really strange years ago when I was just a kid and I was embarrassed. I we were at <laughs> at the Waffle House uh and uh, I was, my dad lived in Phoenix City, Alabama, and we would go to breakfast every morning. And I might have been maybe 10 or 11. He kept telling this girl, told the waitress, he goes, yeah, yeah, you see him? See that guy? You know who that is? And she looked, she was like, no. <laughs> and he's like, take a look at him. And she's looking. No. And he said, yeah, yeah, he's, he's. He's 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 singing. He's he sings and he's uh, doing gonna be a star. You remember that face? You remember that face? And I was just like, ah oh, man, like come on, man, what you doing? I was just embarrassed. And, uh, and to look down the road years later and to uh, end up getting in this business—not something I was, I had a dream of doing. It just happened. Um, was amazing to me that. Uh, just him prophesizing it, and he knew or saw something that I didn't even see ahead. Was uh, did he want you to to pursue gospel as opposed to? No, no. My no? dad, my dad was just so happy. He was living vicariously through me because he's Johnny Gill Senior. I'm Johnny Gill Junior. So you gotta understand, my success was his success. No matter where he goes, it was like it's Johnny Gill's father, <laughs> right? And he was enjoyed it. He enjoyed it. Uh, you know, he's deceased now. But my father, I tell you, he was. As a minister, uh, people, when we grew up, you know, singing gospel, it was this thing where it was like, oh, that's anything outside of the gospel was singing the devil's music. It was like all that. I was less, I said, well, I guess the devil's my partner, huh? Hey, buddy. <laughs> We're on the roll. <laughs> but it was, um, uh, my dad never, never once wavered or felt or made me feel like uh, doing this kind of music was the devil's music. And he was very supportive. Uh, you know, he used to come to the shows in his limo, and he was, man, you couldn't tell him nothing. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, was there, a, or at what point did you realize that you had a unique talent? There's a lot of people who can sing, but a lot of people don't recognize when they actually have a unique talent. At what point did it start to register for you that I have got something that's different than everybody else? When I got my check and I bought me a gold <laughs> nugget ring and a gold nugget watch, and I was like, yeah. And then I went to a car dealership at 15, 16 years old, and they go, oh, no, you don't need no credit here. Sign here. <laughs> I went, yeah, yeah, I must got really something different. <laughs> 
So you started swear, getting paid to I do swear. it. I was like, man, I get paid for this too? But when I was a kid, I thought everybody could sing. I really honestly thought everybody could sing because we grew up singing in church. So you just assume I'm not thinking there was nothing behind what I was doing. I, as a kid, I remember because we used to have a family group and we used to sit outside in the car and talk about what groups are on there and who we were going to crush. And we used to go out, watch how many people I'm going to make shout. And then we would tear, I would just completely light a church up and the whole place would just always be in uproar. And I thought it was funny and fun. I had no idea that there was something that was different about it because I'm just thinking I'm just doing what I do and going, okay, where we're going to kick the ass <laughs> in church. And I'm right. talking about just different groups. Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, to realize later that um, there was a guy that was 98 years old that we played his church uh, at his church. And I remember after we finished playing and he said, uh, we were sitting down in the front row and he said, while I was singing, there was a a light came on that he saw a light over my head. I was about maybe 11, 12. And uh, he told my mom, he said, there was a light over his, his head. Uh, and he said, he's going to be a star. Uh, even then, it still didn't totally register to me. But yeah, yeah. Um, as you are fully aware, especially given the length of time you've been in this business, that R&B is changed quite a bit right yeah, yeah, um yeah. one thing that's definitely changed is that you don't see a lot of groups now anymore um ain't enough money is that what it is yeah they're yeah. trying to get that piece of you know of the pie by themselves right <laughs> that's why new edition ain't together no that's not right <laughs> well that's i mean it's part of the reason why new edition is together it's like the the money part is that no there's a lot of money that's been out there everybody keeps going y'all crazy see all that money that's out there what are y'all doing <laughs> You got to split that a bunch of ways, right? <laughs> but no, but why do you, I mean, do you think money is, is that the root of why we don't see so many uh, I, I groups? Th I think a lot of people, I think we really screwed this, messed this industry, uh, industry up in some ways, uh, no addition in a lot of ways. Because when you think about the group, we were this powerful group uh, collectively and then individually, everyone has went out and it become successful and doing solo stuff as well as, and then come back together as a group. So everybody started thinking, I know we've seen a lot of the groups afterwards was going, yeah, yeah, I'm getting ready to do my solo thing. And then, you know, I'm going, coming back with the group after that, you know what I mean? So they all thought this was some, it was pretty easy. I mean, we just had a special group and a group where every fan, all the fans knew every individual and had their own favorite, but it was just different. You know, some groups you have, it's just this unique thing that, you know, every group don't have, you know? What's your assessment of, of where kind of R&B is today? Well, you know, when I look back, I think for 16 years I didn't record because people kept saying that, you know, and we saw the industry change and it was like, yeah, ain't that checking for y'all? You, you guys are old school, blah, blah, blah. For 16 years I didn't record. I didn't start recording back recording until 2010 uh, with the album called Still Winning. And, uh, um, and coming back in there... Only thing I knew how to do was to do what I do, and that was singing R and B music. And it was a song called "In the Mood." That record did so well that at one point we <laughs> recalled and go, "Okay, can we uh, get to another single? Because this one is, uh, uh, you know, it's been going on damn near a year." <laughs> to to, rec to recognize that there was still a place for good music and just solid R and B music uh, that woke me up. That gave me the confirmation that. Um, there's still a need for that for our music, and there's still a place for it. And 
and we ended up uh, doing extremely well with that album. So uh, it was just amazing. And then I realized that at the end of the day here, uh, I started looking and seeing there were more people that were coming that were doing just a, a, more of a traditional R&B as well as contemporary. But uh, And I began to understand that there is still, there's something that's there. And, uh, and I love music. Like I said, I love all types of music. I don't sit and turn my nose up at just anything. It's just because I understand that it's all a form of art. And because I like the painting on the wall don't necessarily mean you have to like like it. You might not see it through the same eyes. And I get that and respect that. So, uh, But uh, I just think that the music, when you look at R&B right now, there's a huge surge that I believe that's going on. Uh, and so many that are coming back and, uh, and, and making a contribution to I believe of why this why R and B is really coming back on to a different level. So it just doesn't feel to me, and I I hate to be old woman yelling at cloud, but it just feels like it's not a lot of timeless music because I listen to a lot of current R and B and I enjoy it. Yeah, but then I think to myself, will they be playing this twenty years from now? You know, you know what's weird? Yeah, they will because in every generation, um, from a mother's generation to your parents' generation, uh, those songs are the fabric of their lives. And those are the songs that every time they hear those songs, they're going to be reminded of where they were, what they were doing. And uh, it doesn't matter. Remember when we was playing, when our music was playing, our parents used to go, oh, that's a bunch of noise, that's garbage. What are y'all listening to? That ain't real music. Right. <laughs> you you realize how old you've gotten when <laughs> you start to say, hey, I don't understand all that noise. That's garbage. That's what, But it's, it's music. And it's their era for a generation that, only their language that they speak that they understand. And you begin to realize that at the end of the day, that's what's going to be the fabric of their lives 10, 20, 30 years from now, even though we listen to it and go, hell, you think that's going to still be around? But yeah, it will because there'll be a whole other generation. And well, but it's tough, though, to say that only from this standpoint is that, um, I, I look, I don't want to pretend as if, you know, my generation had the cleanest music okay because we didn't but we've sure. had the best but i told oh, down look there's no we've question the I, I, like <laughs> don't don't debate me or at me or whatever but no, i but think we totally did we right did, yeah however even though you know like jodeci diary of a mad band came out when yeah. i was in high school right yeah. so even that that album was considered to be you know kind of like risque and it's yeah. like got me fiending all right yeah. i got you but I just can't see and i again i listen to the song and i like it uh -huh. but 20 years from now are we going to be playing I'm going to Fuck You Back to Sleep by Chris Brown at somebody's wedding? Yeah. You think so? Absolutely. No way. And it will be <laughs> no, the generation. No, I do not believe I this. I swear to you, it's going to be, a, because it's just, that's how, it's just a generation gap. And like I said, they speak a different language that we just don't understand. And they have. And they Meemaw live, is not going to be out there. They dancing live in the world. I'll fuck you back to sleep. I just there, don't think so. There's going to be radio stations that's going to be playing what we call old school stuff. Their stuff will fall in a category of their old school that people are going to be saying, oh, yeah, I remember this was my joint. You, we was running around. We was smoking, getting high. We was, oh, man, we was partying. We was clubbing it. We was, that's going to be their life. And this is what's going to, when they go back and listen back to songs after they grow up that, that was a part of their lives and they're going to remember where they were and what they were doing and how much fun that they was having, those songs are going to be there. That's the fabric of their lives. That's what they're going to revert to and they're going to connect with and be like, oh, that was my joint. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll still be looking going, huh? <laughs> <laughs> right? I'm like, wait, what? 
So I just think about it in terms of that context. Is they just so they just so bold with it now that it's like a you know, not a whole lot of romance going on. Yeah. And I say, look, sometimes it's romance, sometimes it's something else. But so I understand about, that. Think about it, even yeah. if we're talking about our generation, our music being the best. Out the generation before that, they were listening to our music, saying that, that was a bunch of noise we were listening to. So we're just doing the same thing to theirs. <laughs> Uh, Trust me. Yeah, no, you're right. It does. And that's why I said I try not to be that person, right, you know, but, to, because I realize again, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a sanitized, right. you know, version yeah. of music by any stretch. I mean, I was listening to Two Live Crew when I was in high school. So yeah, somebody's probably going crazy when they hear Pop the Coochie. I'm saying, when they, if that song come on somebody's old, oh, spot, that used what, to be 50, me. 60 years old, Look. probably still going, ah! Yeah. Trust me. Throw on that I Wanna Rock. Joke. And this this hip will get to doing something. All right. Throw on I Wanna Rock right now. Right? Yeah, Rob Bass. All <laughs> that, it's like you, you hear those songs, you're like, yeah. <laughs> no. I mean it it is just, you're right. It's a generational kind of difference in understanding and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I have a feeling that they're more likely to be playing my 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 then fuck you back to sleep. That's just me. Yeah. <laughs> More likely, you know, so. Um, but listen, uh, I wanted to uh, get your thoughts on, I know somebody who's a, a somebody you looked up to, and I feel as if this person is truly just amazingly underrated, and that's Luther Vandross, right? Oh my God, that's my... Oh. I, I lo- like, whenever Man. we're discussing, not weird, but like whenever you see discussions, maybe on social media or even other places about best to ever do it, yeah. I feel like his name does not come up. Yeah, not as he, often as it should. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Luther was the first person that made me understand what and how you paint a picture to tell a story. I was just singing. I didn't have no idea what was what. And I'll never forget the, the duet album that I did with Stacey and I saw a perfect combination album. Uh, we opened for Luther. But I remember Luther telling me his favorite Johnny Gill all, uh, all-time uh, song was a song called Baby Is You. And I remember asking him this. I kept going, why? What was so special about that? He, and he always said, he was like, the tones, the, the way that you, you know, listen to the tone, you're, you're, the way that you, you're, you're phrasing on this. And I had no idea until I went back and I started listening to it. And I'm going, oh. And it really made me conscious and aware of how to tell a story, how to paint the picture. You know, it was a nas- another master at doing it uh, was, and to me, is, is Lionel Richie can paint the picture and tell a story that like no other. <clears throat> and Luther was one of those that he had the voice and all of that on top of it all. But he could, man, paint this the canvas, uh, this empty canvas with, with just all these beautiful colors that would just have you sitting there going, whoa, <laughs> amazing. Is there any... Um is there anybody out there today that reminds you of you? Me? <laughs> Other than you. <laughs> you know what I find interesting? It's, if you think about it, there's a lot of artists and, you know, people come back and they do their music. And uh, I'm not one out of 36 years, 36, seven years of doing this. Not very few you find that even will touch or remake one of my songs. Um, and... It's hard for me to do Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> right. And I think when you do songs, uh, same thing with Luther. There's a few that have tried, but you, certain artists that when they 
create these songs and they own these songs, it's pretty hard. I don't think you're going to be able to find somebody that can come back and do a Sade's record, redo those records and give you that that magic that's they or be able to take it and take it over to another place another level is that the biggest They're compliment just, that you can um, kind of receive as a as a musician you know that your songs are just not remade I don't know if it's necessarily a compliment more so than it's just a true a testament to sometimes looking at artists that have on or do you know this just have a different unique way of how they do things can make it a little tougher for someone to go oh yeah we can do that i'll do that i'm gonna go back in and redo this and and there's just certain artists that i believe that that has that you know and uh and for whatever i don't know whether it's really a you know a good or bad right or wrong thing i'm just saying it's just that there are certain artists that are just i think that are unique that you know i can't i'm not coming in here messing with that one because i don't know i can't how many times have you heard my 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 redone <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, Other know. than somebody uh, doing it at karaoke, yeah, dances, exactly. No, right? And that's where you'll see it all, all the time. Yeah, yeah. and, doing and like it I poorly. said, the Sade's and the, the Luthers and the list goes on of some, just a lot of artists that you just go, eh, I probably don't want to play with that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so you've been so calm this entire podcast. So now I got to make you sweat a little bit. So <sighs> ouch! <laughs> this is a <laughs> game I like to play with my guests that I call this or that. Okay, <laughs> you have one choice you can make. So don't bring in other choices. Uh, All right. You have one choice. All right. The fate of human existence depends on your answers. Uh, All right. right. All right, this Johnny. This or that. This or that. Uh-oh. All right. It's your body <laughs> or my body? My body. <laughs> so it's your body, for those who don't know, is, is his own song. It's my own song, And yeah. you pick my body over your own song. Yeah, because... <laughs> It was a special time. I mean, having working with two of my brothers and just that was just a unique situation and and a moment and a song that I'll just I know I will always cherish, you know. But it was a lot of things, a lot of elements that came to with that one that made me, you know. Well, we we talked about him earlier, Chris Brown or Bobby Brown. I'm gonna have to go with Chris. I have to go with Chris because uh, he's constantly still putting out tons of music. Uh, uh, he has not slowed down artistically when you watch him physically when he's de- I mean he's just the master I mean Bobby had it once had it uh, Chris um, is still rocking with it still right. doing but it but at their height at their height yep at their height peak Bobby Brown versus peak Chris Brown or I should say peaking Chris Brown says he's then still. I'm gonna have to go with Bobby you gotta go with Bobby if okay. you gotta go yeah, yeah. Yep. they both in peak yeah yeah <laughs> That's like picking, uh, choosing between Ali and Mike Tyson, both of them at their peak. <laughs> right. It's like, mm. <laughs> uh, Mr. Telephone Man or Candy Girl? Candy Girl. <laughs> I have to go Candy Girl simply because that's how I was introduced to those guys. I was in the studio working with Freddie Perrin, who actually wrote uh, I Want You Back, ABC, and all that stuff. And he was the one to introduce me to them by saying, hey, man, you heard about these kids that's got the song out that... Uh, uh, that um, it sounds a little kid sounds like Michael, and that's how uh, um, I was introduced to them. <laughs> and so it was a special time for me. And then when I we all came out around the same time, and we would cross paths, that was the song that I I I, I knew you know met them, and was one of those songs that I enjoyed. So mm. I'd have to go Candy Girl. Uh, game changer, game changer two. Uh, game changer two. Ooh, it's a reluctant. No, because it's almost, you know, it's like having kids and you're going, which one is your favorite? It's like, you know, 
Yeah, they're all my kids, but you do have your favorite, though. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Some you might like a little to, better. You may love yeah, them all the same. I love them all, yeah. But, but I would like- probably have to say Game Changer 2. Game Changer 2, um, when you listen to this album, I mean, it, it goes all over the place. And what I really am proud, pretty much I'm proud of, if, if no one else, is that I never compromise the essence of who Johnny was in doing all the different things that I've done musically. Uh, with this album and yet at the same time i mean like i said i'm looking at what's taking place i mean soul of a woman um comes out goes straight to the top of the charts number one and now perfect is heading in that same place and and it was it's kind of a confirmation of this is where i am today and what i feel and the message that needs to be put out there and i'm wondering how they're going to get it and it's like they got this faster than they did uh game changer one (laughs) uh off the wall or thriller Oh, man, man, man. That's a real tough one. It's actually not. It's one right answer. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what that answer well, is. Well, it's because I'm a huge Michael's, Michael fan. So, I, I mean, all of his songs, most of the, well, you know, Jesus. I, I mean, I, I guess you got to go with, I got to go with Thriller. What? I got to go with That's Thriller. That's not the right answer. <laughs> I know. I mean, Off the Wall was probably, to me, one of his best the answer is always work, off the wall, thriller, Johnny Hill. It's always off the but wall. But Thriller makes you sound like a nutcase to go off the wall when you look how huge Thriller was. It's kind of like, See, you can't, you can't base this off of success. I'm you can't. Like, you know, I know. Thriller is one of the greatest selling albums of all time. Yeah, but the answer is still off the wall. That's a blackness question, by the way. But you Just know, one of my all-time favorites off of Thriller, uh, one of my all-time favorite Michael Jackson songs, period, was Lady in My Life. Mm. <laughs> oh, that was my joint. <laughs> Y'all, that, that was. I there mean, be no darkness tonight. Make me in paradise. <laughs> <laughs> Michael did his thing on that one. I, that was my all, one of my favorite songs for Michael. And I mean, he's we got a billion of them. But, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I can't help it. All like, I think I was in love at that time. <laughs> See, that's why that song still resonates. Yeah. Still hits you in the core. Ooh, boy, she was she was beautiful too. She was nice. <laughs> All right, uh, better ad libs, you or Ricky? Well, the ad libs I would do, he would do them because I did them, and then they would let him come back and he would do them. <laughs> what kind of question you ask? How you gonna ask me that? <laughs> I'm gonna have to go with me. Yeah, go, go with you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, final one. If only for one night or a house is not a home. Ouch. Come on, you're making it hard. That's the point. <laughs> that is the point. <laughs> A house is not at home. I because what he did with that, his arrangement on that was just absolutely incredible, insane. To take a song and become, as a matter of fact, listen to it, the, the original, It's you can't even, it's, it, that's Luther's song. Right. <laughs> so, no, it's true. It's like that, <laughs> yeah. that what he did on that song is, yeah, is yeah, remarkable. Yeah, I, I, yeah, house is not at home. Yeah, it still, yeah. St- uh, tan- still stands the test of yeah. time. Speaking of standing the test of time, that's definitely you. Who you um, calling O? No. <laughs> you are not O. You are getting better, Johnny Gill, for sure. Um, but everybody, if you don't know already, cop the new album, Game Changer 2. Um, it's out September 5th, right? 6th. 6th, September, September 6th. 6th yeah. Okay. So um, I think this uh, podcast will air. The album will have just been out. But either way, yeah. make sure you cop it. Um, 
all the old school and even new school Johnny's, Johnny Gill fans. Like, I think it is. I agree with you. It's probably something for everybody. everybody. For everybody. Yeah. So thank you for spending this time with me. And Thanks for having for me. keeping it real and keep, you know, you're just so chill. <laughs> um, I got issues. <laughs> well, you didn't let a lot of them come out in this podcast. They, they so, no, you, you hit oh, them pretty well. I was on my best behavior. <laughs> you were. Oh, uh, well, I'm about to get unruly um, because final segment is coming up next. Fuck it. I'm bothered after the break. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Now, I'm not one to pocket check folks, and by that I mean I don't care or clock how much money other people make. Get it how you live is my eternal motto. But I couldn't ignore a recent list of the highest paid actresses of 2019 that came across my Twitter feed. So here's the top 10, and that would cover from last June to this June. I'm going from 1 to 10 right here. Scarlett Johansson, $56 million. Sophia Vergara, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Jennifer Aniston, Kaylee Kawoko, Elizabeth Moss, Margot Robbie, Charlize Theron, Ellen Pompeo. Those are the highest paid actresses in Hollywood for 2019. Did you notice what I noticed? If you did, then you know why the fuck I'm bothered about this top 10. Not a single black woman, not a Viola, a Angela, a Regina, a Gabrielle, a Taraji, nah. The only woman of color on this list is, of course, Sofia Vergara, who makes $44.1 million a year. Who the hell she thinks she kidnapped? Chelsea Clinton? So I immediately wondered, how far down the list would you have to go before you even got to a black woman? And who would that black woman be? After canvassing some of my sources who would be other black actors, we unofficially agreed that it was probably Zoe Saldana, who is multi-ethnic. Look, we know how this game goes. We always have had to be twice as good, and even when we are, we often don't get paid like it. Even though so many black actresses often do more with less, as in they take films that don't have big budgets and turn them into hits at the box office. Now remember, Hollywood just discovered a couple years ago with the billion-dollar success of Black Panther that yes, black people do indeed go to the movies. Who knew? The lesson from Black Panther, which really we should have learned practically with every black movie, is that black people support people that look like them almost to a fault. That's why I have a DVD of janky promoters at the crib right now. Anyway, I'm not saying the women that I listed don't deserve their checks. I'm just saying some of us deserve a lot more than we're getting. Stay unbothered. Mel Hill is Unbothered is produced by Spotify Studios and Unbothered Inc. and recorded and edited by Rich Burner and Cadence 13. Ashley Van Horn is our head of talent. Evan Dick is our executive producer. Jesse Burton is the executive producer for Spotify. And Denise Holly is the program manager. Our theme music is provided by Corey Greenleaf and Ben Darwish. You can find more from me on Twitter and Instagram at Jamel Hill. Hold up. 